With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am so happy that you're all here with me today. We've got an amazing and very, very special show today. I have not one, not two, but I have like five amazing uh, people who uh, on the show today, true uh, luminaries in the transformational space and in this world. Um, let me, I'm, I'm foregoing my quotes of the day today in order to give them as much time as possible. And uh, let me go through and introduce you to my guests today. Um, I'm first going to introduce uh, Reverend Deborah Muldow, who, because she's the one who kind of organized all this, and to her I owe a, a extreme uh, debt of gratitude for uh, bringing this all together. But she is an ordained interfaith minister committed to assisting in the transformation of human consciousness to a culture of peace. She's the founder of the Garden of Light, a platform for emerging global spirituality. She's the direct and also director of the Evolutionary Leaders, a project of Source of Synergy Foundation, which brings together visionaries committed to the acceleration of consciousness, evo evolution of humanity, which is what <laughs> today is all about. It's actually bringing together some wonderful luminaries. And this is all around a new book that she helped to edit, Our Moment of Choice. Um, joining us as well is John Perkins, who I'm thrilled to have with us. Um, he's an author and activist, including his seminal work, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, which I read years and years ago in Touching the Jaguar, as well as a leading authority on shamanism. He's the founder of the Pachamama Alliance and Dream Change, nonprofits partnering with indigenous people to protect environments and build sustainable economies. So you all know this is near and dear to my heart. Lynn McTaggart, who um, uh, I'm so grateful is on. And, and Lynn, see, I actually have one of your books on my shelf. I pulled it out <laughs> to do it. Because Lynn is one of the preeminent spokespeople on consciousness, the new physics and the science of spirituality. She's an award-winning journalist and author of seven books, including the best international bestsellers, The Field, The Intention Experiment, and The Power of Eight. As well as... Um, both doctors Je Desiree and J.J. Hertak, um, who are, are both uh, social scientists and futurists, uh, co-founders of the Academy for Future Sciences and the Foundation for Future Science. And uh, they're well known for the Book of Knowledge, which I also had on my shelf here in the office. So I had to pull these guys out to show you that like, I've, I've so, so thrilled that, that you're all here with us today. Um, 
and uh, uh, really I, I am honored. Uh, and, and it's amazing kind of a, a, a project, I guess, Deborah. I, uh, just I'll start off with you um, of this our moment of choice that you brought not just these luminaries, but but other luminaries as well together. Um, I'm just curious, what was the impetus, the intention behind our moment in choice, and, and how did you get so many amazing people together for this? I know, it's extraordinary, isn't it? I, I want to start, Sam, by thanking you for inviting us onto your radio program. It is such a pleasure to experience conscious radio. You and your audience are on the evolutionary edge that is so critical right now at this, our moment of choice. And I love that you were pulling your guests' books off of your bookshelf because uh, this this new book, Our Moment of Choice, uh, when I was talking to somebody about it, she said, uh, I'm looking at the people in this, and this is my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> so this book is an opportunity for everybody to to enjoy all of these 43 different uh, contributing authors uh, who wow. are luminaries in their own right. The, the guests we have with us today uh, are beloved authors, best-selling authors, and well-known in the community of people on the evolutionary edge of consciousness and helping to build a new paradigm. And then there are also um, many authors in the book who are less known, but they are doing the work. And you get to see in this book, you get to see the accumulated wisdom of so many of what we call evolutionary leaders. So all of the people in this book are members of the evolutionary leaders circle. You can find out more about that at evolutionaryleaders.net. And we are a community of people whose life work has to do with the evolution of human consciousness and the whole idea that we can now make conscious choices that actually impact how we evolve as a species. And this is so important in this moment. So here the book has this uh, extraordinary title, Our Moment of Choice. And I say that in all humility because this title uh, was given to us by Greg Braden, who is one Uh of the contributors to the book and also wrote the introduction. Uh, He has been with the evolutionary leaders for a very long time. And we had a book project many years ago, more than 10 years ago, and he had gifted us with this title. Mm. And that book didn't happen. And two years ago, when fellow evolutionary leader Bob Atkinson proposed a book project to us and offered to steward it uh, along with the team. So we are three co-editors, Bob Atkinson, Kurt Johnson, and myself. And we also had constant help from Diane Williams, who is the founder of the Source of Synergy Foundation. That's the organization behind the evolutionary leaders, the truly visionary organization Mm -hmm. focused on bringing together people in synergy. And also from Greg Braden. And we said, Greg, can we still use this title? (laughs) And he said, oh, sure. You know, it was a gift from him. And uh, we started putting together the the book and inviting all of these fabulous people like 
John and Lynn and JJ and Desiree to contribute. And everybody said yes. Everybody was so enthusiastic about it. Little did we know that in the year 2020, everybody would be able to see that we are now truly at our moment of choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and actually with that, I, I would actually like to bring on Lynn McTaggart uh, because I know that she, she can't stay with us for the whole hour. But Lynn, I'm curious, your, your chapter is The Power of Eight, which is also the title of, of one of your books. What is it about this project, this book? I mean, it, it's it, to me, with so many luminaries involved, it's more than just a book. It's like a, a beginnings of a movement or something. What attracted you? You're a, a busy person. You're, you're, you're very high profile. You've got a lot on your plate. What was it that, that attracted you to say, yes, I'm willing to contribute something to this book? Well, first of all, this organization, of which I've been a part since 2008, um, brought together so many people who are on the leading edge of the evolutionary movement in one way or another and got us all together in the same space. And, you know, we've been meeting regularly ever since. And, you know, we back in 2008, we were talking about, hey, this is our moment of choice. You know, we're going through some big evolution. Yeah. Little did we know it was going to kind of accelerate <laughs> in 2020. And we were suddenly going to be faced with um, a series of demonstrations that we are actually on the very edge of a completely new way of life, you know, in that we are in crisis, yes. you know, our current way of living and just about every part of it is is collapsing at the moment and so it's really important for us to recognize that it won't ever be the same and that's a good thing yes and absolutely. i think that was what really attracted me because i know there's so many great minds in this organization each of us offering something a little bit different in the work that we we have been doing and each of us perhaps able to provide one path that may help people through this extraordinary time of crisis and change. Mm. And for me, the power of eight was about one of the problems. And the thing that I work on so much is the new science. One of the reasons that we are in this crisis is because we're living according to a false story, yeah. you know, a story that has been a, you know, science writes the stories we live by and the the story that we've been living by is more than 300 years old, and it describes us as separate entities operating according to fixed laws in time and space. And that idea, bolstered by the ideas of Charles Darwin, that right. you know we're separate and we have to be in competition, there just isn't enough to go around, has created a kind of mindset and a society that is no longer sustainable. So for me, the power of eight was really important because I wanted to demonstrate that people have a different kind of power within themselves that gets manifested in small groups. And I've seen this now thousands of times. I've seen miracles mm -hmm. where people, you know, I had a woman who was paralyzed do a power of eight group last summer and get up out of her wheelchair. And I see this thousands of times after 10 minutes of group intention so what we want to demonstrate to everybody in different ways on this in this book is the new powers that are being recognized that we all have within ours, us 
and leading to a completely different way of living. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's so funny. Uh, uh, I know several people who are astrologers, numerologists, uh, people who in the years leading up to it said that 2020 was going to be a special year, that there was going to be some big shifts, but they all admitted afterwards that there was no way they could have predicted what was going to happen, that it would be a a pandemic and then this global uprising around the Black Lives Matter movement and around really people, it seems people trying to take back their power and that in some ways there's kind of this uh, 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 dichotomy between sort of some people in control trying to hold on to this old paradigm, this patriarchal, top-down sort of power structure while this new sort of more Aquarian type of egalitarian energy and paradigm is emerging and really showing us that we do have choice and that we do have power that we didn't recognize all these years. Absolutely. I mean, and that is absolutely the case. And I've seen it. There is something that goes on with people. Well, we've been able to measure it. We've measured it with brainwave um, studies. We've demonstrated that people enter into a completely different brainwave signature when they're part of an intention, a small intention group. The parts of the brain involved with separation are dialed way down, as are the parts of the brain involved with worry, doubt, negativity. These are people who demonstrate a brainwave signature identical to studies that have been done on Buddhist monks during ecstatic prayer and Sufi Uh, masters during chanting. uh, So these are people who are in an ecstatic state of oneness. And mm. we're talking about a a period of time of only 10 minutes. Mm. But that demonstrates in that when people can enter into a state of oneness, as I've seen thousands of times, Mm. they can heal things in their lives and things in the world. So this is a capacity that has been heretofore blocked by this very reductive view that we have of the world and that we now see is possible. And so I suppose my small contribution was to basically say, you have far more power than you've been told. And while these old ways of doing things are being taken away from you, let's embrace a new path forward and a new way forward. And this is one of the aspects that you don't realize that you have right there inside you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very beautifully said. It it reminds me of the story of a friend of mine who uh, does a spoon bending workshop. And and one of the stories she tells in it, because we spend, and I do it with her sometimes, uh, an hour, the first hour and a half of the workshop is all about quantum physics. And it's all about sort of changing people's mindset. And she tells this story of a professor in Stanford, I believe, who wanted to, to create a course for quantum physics for non-physics majors. And the department uh, rejected it saying it would be like giving a loaded gun to children <laughs> to which he re- to which he replied don't worry i'll teach gun safety but it didn't seem to convince them um, oh i love that <laughs> yeah so um i got to take a quick break and then i want to come back and because i think what you said lynn uh, carries uh, perfectly into i want to bring on john perkins next um to talk about also the sort of the shamanic uh, to a more life-based 
way of doing things. So, uh, uh, John, stay, so everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we will be right back after this. special show today uh, with uh, Reverend Deborah Moldau, Lynn McTaggart, John Perkins, and Drs. Desiree and J.J. Hertak. Um, welcome. So, uh, uh, John, it, it was interesting listening to uh, uh, Lynn talk about sort of the power of when we come together, uh, in, in her particular thing, the power of eight, like when eight people come together with an intention, with a uh, 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 a particular purpose in mind that almost miracles can happen and it also sort of reminds me of some shamanic work that I've been involved with over the last six years how when we come together in community for the purposes of healing for the purposes of evolving that we all actually benefit from each other's presence and what we all contribute to the ritual and to the time and then you've uh, very involved in in shamanic work in in really being a voice for uh, Pachamama for Mother Earth. Uh, your uh, chapter in this book is reasons for optimism transitioning to a life economy. What do you mean by a life economy, and how does coming together help us all? Well, thanks, uh, Sam. Yes. Um, a life economy. So, so let's start by saying what we have right now is what we call a death economy, mm-hmm. which is an economic system that's built on on the the perception that our goal ought to be to maximize short term profits and short term consumer materialistic benefits, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really taken us to, to a situation where where our economy our, our economy is consuming itself into extinction. In the short term, we're using up the resources we need in the long term, and that includes the air. You know, that right. includes destroying right. our planet. And so, but that's fairly recent. Lynn mentioned 300 years, and that's about right as far as, I mean, this is, go, we, go, we only go back about 300 years to creating this economy, and particularly with since World War II, we've really built it up. Right. And if you look at the 250,000 or so years that we've been humans on this planet, we lived according to life economies, which is what indigenous people continue to live in is the few that are remaining and and able to keep their traditional lifestyles. A life economy cleans up pollution. Mm -hmm. It it regenerates destroyed environments. It recycles. It it renews. It does not, you know, it looks at the long term. So its goal is not short term profits or materialism. It's long term benefits for people and nature. And I like to be reminded that we say we go back 250,000 years, but you may, I've got a cat on the back, but I was making a lot of noise. <laughs> anyway, I like to be surrounded by sloths and, and, and adobe houses and, and, and animals that remind us that, you know, that's a very short span most of these animals have existed a lot longer. They live in life economies. And right. so today, as we look at a change of consciousness, uh, you know, the consciousness consultant, what is our consciousness as human beings today? And part of it is, as, as Lynn said, it's this moving away from the communal spirit. Yeah. Uh, throughout history, indigenous people live these communal lives. It's not about me. It's about us. 
right. and it may be eight people in a small community or it may be a global community right. and right now we're realizing that as a global community we all need to come together that there is Absolutely. no there's no China, there's no Russia, there's no United States, except as we perceive these things. And we perceive this, we've created this perception of um, separateness. Yeah. And creating that perception, we've created a reality, which which is taking us to this deeper and deeper into this death economy. We need to come together in communities of eight, as Lynn mentions, and also in communities of, of that are much larger than that, recognition that we are all living a life now that it isn't working very well yeah, and it, we need to change. It, it reminds me of the book um, Frank White wrote called The Overview Effect, where he studied the astronauts and the psychological effect of seeing the Earth from space and that there, there are no borders from space. When you look down, yeah, you can see the wall of China, but that's about it. There, these borders, these these identities these nationalistic identities are completely stories that we've made up and that they and they really only serve to keep us more separate and and it, and it also kind of reminds me of, of talking about the the third wave of the agricultural wave which was much more a life affirming wave and then when the industrial wave came in it really started to dehumanize us in a way and not just to make us so much of a consumer economy but to try and merge man with machine and lose our connection to the land and to each other but now we're sort of experiencing right that next wave of evolution that we're not even sure what to call it whether it's a uh, the, the you know information age the connection economy there, there's so many terms for it i like your term the life economy uh, be, because you know it, it's this this consumerism is such a short-term vision and, and sort of a short-term fix for feeling disconnected, but long-term, it is horrendous what it's doing, not just to the planet, but to ourselves. Yes. Yes, and, and I, I love the story about the astronauts. Uh, and uh, Edgar Mitchell, one of the people who walked on the moon, was a good personal friend who talked a lot about this and wrote about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and another story that, that goes a lot, that's kind of complementary to that is one told by a, a shaman lady high in the Andes, a, a woman with the wonderful name of Maria Juana. <laughs> and she was speaking high in the Andes. And I take people to visit these shamans periodically. And uh, a few years back, we were there and, and one of the people in the group, I'm translating, one of the people said, you know, so Maria Juana, how do we save the earth? And she laughed and she said, well, the earth's not in danger. Right. We humans are, right. you know, we're, we're destroying ourselves and the planet that, as we know it for us, but we're like so many fleas. Mm -hmm. And if we get to be too much of a nuisance, she'll just shake us all off. Mm -hmm. And Maria Juana looks up at Imbabura, this volcano that hovers over her home high in the Andes of Ecuador. And she said, a few years ago, that volcano was covered by a massive ice cap. It mm -hmm. isn't anymore. Uh, Mother Earth, Achamama, is twitching. She's sending us a message. We've created a system that doesn't work, the, the death economy. Yeah. And she's letting us know, we better listen. We're, we're blessed to be living at a time where we can listen and we can see these things and listen. Yeah. And you know, Sam, I've been struck by, ever since then, every time there was a massive hurricane or big, these big fires that are happening in California and Australia and the Amazon and all the other once in 100 year events that happen every year or so, I was struck by how she's been twitching. But we've looked at all those as local events. If I survive the fire 
or the hurricane, the outside world is going to come to my rescue in a year or two, in, in, a, in a day or two, mm-hmm. or maybe a couple of weeks. Bring me water, bottled water and food. Mm-hmm. Now we've been hit by the by biggest twitch of all, yeah. the pandemic, and it's global. There's yeah. no outside world. And, 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 and it shows to, how we, interdependent we really are, right? Yes, yes. It's it's a major twitch. And I think the message that we, I know the message that we need to take, whether, we're, whether we look at it scientifically, you know, the, the, the satellite images we see of how the skies are clearing over Beijing, mm-hmm. or whether we look at it shamanically the way marijuana does, what we know is that we've created a system that's failing us, yeah. and we have to change it. And that involves a big change of consciousness, a change of this perception from looking at the short-term consumer profit motivation Mm -hmm. to the long-term benefits, which has been part of human history throughout almost all of our history, except for the last blink of an eye in human history. And and I think we're we're definitely moving in that direction. We we were before the coronavirus started Mm -hmm. when we were looking at conscious capitalism and and e-corporations, benefit corporations, the Green Mm -hmm. New Deal, Mm -hmm. and on and on. And I'm hoping that uh, despite all the problems this time is creating and, and, the, and the deaths and the sadness, that it is, it is a, a true, it'll be a true awakening for, the, for us as people of the planet. It'll bring us together as one community that really understands, one community with many languages, many cultures, but that understands that we must work together uh, to create a system that's, that is itself a renewable resource. Right. It, it kind of as as the title of the book, Our Moment of Choice, it's really our choice now to either come to get to either keep going the way we've been going and have more trouble or to really come together. And I've heard some people, and this actually even came to me independently in a meditation one day that, um, you know, people are calling this this pandemic a virus, you know, calling the corona a virus. But really, in some ways, aren't we the virus on Mother Earth? And this is more like the antibodies of Mother Earth coming to thin us out because, like cancerous cells, we're just multiplying too... Not that way, but but we're contributing too much toxins to the world. And so what happens in our body, right? When something produces too much toxins, the antibodies come in to kind of clear it out. And that's sort of what's happening to us. So in the end, you know, it's a horrible thing for humanity and it's a lot of suffering, but the environment and mother earth in, in is actually winning in, in the result of all this that we're experiencing. Yes, and it's it's sending a strong message. And, you know, I get this little jaguar yeah, <laughs> here next dude. to me. But it's a reminder that, you know, we're, we're the only species on the planet that likes to think of itself as being so intelligent. Mm. At the same time, the only species on the planet that's really destroying itself and, and the planet as we know it. What kind of a consciousness is that? And again, it's been a pretty recent event in human history that we've that we've developed this perception of being human and being so selfish so self-centered uh we're moving away from it and i i think it's frankly i think it's a wonderful time to be alive to be at this moment of choice and participating in writing this book really brought this out for me and reading all the other people all the other authors and and as i travel around the world speaking at events in many different places i i'm struck by how people everywhere are waking up to the fact that we live on a very fragile space station, the Earth. Yeah. And yet we, we humans have only been around a short period of time in relative to so many other animals like these sloths here. <laughs> these, you know, we're the pilots. 
We are now the pilots and we've been navigating toward disaster. Hmm. And so now it's time to wake up, reboot our navigation system, become better pilots and and let's move into this this, uh, future that we all know is is necessary, possible. And in fact, we must do it and we can do it. And it's going to be fun doing it. I, I'm looking forward to this transition that we're in the process of making because I think moving into a life economy is going to, is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a challenge and it's also filled with incredible opportunities for self-expression and, and joy and bringing us into a new way of living. Um, Lynn, I want to bring you back on for just a minute um, before we go to our next break because what we're all experiencing right now is is a huge challenge. And there are probably a bunch of other challenges waiting for us. I kind of view this as just sort of the first challenge that, that we're kind of hitting. How does sort of coming together and, and working together from a scientific point of view, from an intention point of view, how does that help give us more power to be able to ride these waves in, in, a, in a more sustainable way? Well, as John basically said, um, we have lived a life of separation and we've lived again, according to this false story, because the science does not show that we were born to be competitive. The science very clearly shows that we need community. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a number of signatures here that we need to belong. You know, belonging is practically more important to us than eating or having uh, having air. I mean, we need to, people who commit suicide uh, um, suffer from what psychologists call excessive individuation. They feel left oh. out and being left out okay. is something people cannot bear. Uh. And studies have shown that community of any size, particularly small communities, protect people from heart attacks, strokes, even the common cold. Mm. So we need community. Mm. And we also have inbuilt inbuilt, um, um, abilities and needs to give. We need to give. We need to take turns. We need it to be fair, too. That's also inbuilt. And we have all of these mechanisms that support the idea of community rather than living separately. But we have lived lives of, you know, what, you know, quiet desperation, as Eliot put it, because we've lived lives of separation. Mm-hmm. You know, an interesting factoid is during the, um, when the pilgrims came over and they built these very actually nice houses, ultimately, um, a number of them were hijacked and, you know, kidnapped uh, by the Indians. And they were put in uh, teepees with Native Americans, etc. And a number of them then were re- rescued uh, from some of them. For some of them, they decided to go back. Uh-huh. You know, they didn't want to be rescued. They weren't interested in living their own little houses, separate houses. They loved the communal living of Native Americans. So that's just one tiny demonstration of how important we have in, you know, how important community is to us and how we have to reclaim that. That's mm-hmm. one very important mechanism. Yeah. Working cooperatively in community is one, you know, vital path we now need to take in order to recover our humanity and recover our world wonderful wonderful beautifully said and and it reminds me of um 
I forget who it was, did a study on longevity. And, and the person found that it was in places that were more communal, where the people had community, that they actually lived longer, that like a lot of centarians uh, be, lived to be over 100 years old because of the tight-knit community that they were in at the time. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, they've demonstrated that community, um, even when you have certain genetic tendencies towards, say, depression, mm. as they looked at in one study, those people who lived in a tight-knit community essentially were able to override these genetic um, uh, propensities and they were not expressed. So we see that in just about everything. We also see that in acts of altruism. People who do altruistic things, do things for others, no matter how small, live longer, healthier, um, and um, happier lives. So that's all part of it. That's part of recreating what kind of system we live in mm. and that's part of our moment of choice but also our great advantage now in the systems breaking down yeah. so i want to keep emphasizing this isn't a bad thing this is a great thing absolutely absolutely as one of my teachers said we, we've been praying for change all these years why are we so upset now that it's coming now that it's here all right we've got to take another break when we come back uh, Drs. Desiree and J.J. Hurtak, I, I, I want to bring you guys on to look at things from a, a more spiritual and, and consciousness point of view as well. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Just as a reminder, we do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. And I'm so, so grateful for, for, for all of my guests today. Unfortunately, Lynn McTaggart had to go. Um, John Perkins, wonderful to have you here. Deborah Muldow, thank you for putting this all together for me. And now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome uh, Drs. J.J. and Desiree Hurtak. Um, now, your specialty is, is a little bit different than, let's say, uh, uh, Lynn McTaggart's, who look more at the science. You're more into the, uh, I would say, the, the consciousness, the spiritual side of all of this. And your chapter is called Awakening to Our Limitless Minds. Uh, what do you mean by limitless minds? Well, thanks, Sam, for having us on. And I, we really love, actually, we work quite a bit uh, in many capacities with uh, the same thing that Lynn does. And of course, we do know John. And I want to go back a little bit and put the two together because Great. basically, we've worked extensively in Brazil with the native peoples there, with the indigenous people of Brazil. And one of the things that we immediately noticed and we appreciate is that they actually, because they sleep together in these huts, just like you saw with Dancing with Wolves, mm -hmm. that their minds, 
is are interconnected. We know this if like in college, if you lived in dorms or lived in houses with a bunch of people, you know, your rhythms of your body gets synchronicities and also your whole, you know, thought patterns, you start dreaming together of each other. So, you know, this is our capacity. And that's what Lynn's talking about, this field or consciousness field. And the indigenous people really do share their thoughts with you. In fact, sometimes it can be very strange and hard for ourselves because we're so separated. We're used to having the divisions uh, between each other. But the indigenous people are not like that, at least the ones we work with in Brazil. Their minds are able to tap in and tune into each other in a very strong way. And that way, they also have a very strong uh, family relationship. We've also worked with the Zulu people in South Africa. And so we bring together the shamanistic, the nativistic, and also the Kabbalistic, since we are looking at the overall paradigm of how all of these movements of thought are converging now here in the 21st century. So to answer your question, we're looking at a new way of what I would call the collective consciousness discovering itself. But one of our main situations is we've actually worked with remote viewing. And this also, again, ties into Lynn's work. And that is, you know, where you could be in California or New York, and you can actually see what's taking place somewhere else on the planet, like in Russia. And there was a Big study in the 1970s, you're probably familiar with uh, Stanford Research Institute, Hal Pudoff, Russell Targ, Ingo Swan. You know, they were actually sitting with Pat Price, another uh, remote viewer, in California, and they were actually seeing exactly what the Russians were doing in Novosibirsk. And they wrote it down and they compared notes. And it's amazing. I mean, they even got CIA funding for this because they were so accurate. In fact, one of the things that Russell talks about is there was a Russian airplane that had crashed in Africa, was trying to leave uh, Russia, defect, so to speak. And uh, it was during Jimmy Carter's administration. And so they went to the remote viewers. They said, you know, can we find this plane before the Russians get there? You know, the Russians had tracking and we didn't. And they had the remote viewers exactly say it was by a river. It's by this area. You know, go there, get it. And they did. They got there first Hmm. uh, from anyone. So remote viewers really can see around the planet. And it really exemplifies this consciousness field that we're all sharing, that we're all a part of. And yes, we do have to, we're also, I'm also personally an environmentalist working in various capacities with new energy technologies. And we need to improve what we're doing on the planet because that will be the next major problem as far as we're already seeing this, but it'll even get worse and worse as far as we have calculated. But in addition to that, you know, we can make a difference that's what our message is by our consciousness linkage and understanding of what's taking place. We can actually transform and change. We can also find solutions that go way beyond any kind of limitations that people think they have. So to answer your question about the theme of limitless mind, this comes from studies with the top scientists in, literally in the United States, Russell Targ, uh, uh, Ingo Swan and the late Dr. Elizabeth Rauscher, who has written more than 400 papers on consciousness research. And this is part of a larger study we recently published also in a book called My Dynamics in Space and Time, which is, in my opinion, the uh, X-Files of what the government has known for many years, but it was not until 1995 that this information began to come out through Russell and others. And our work has been to pioneer 
uh, how we can use this power of the mind to bring people together, to go from a culture of death that John speaks of into a culture of peace, a culture of cooperation. Mm. And this is really the great shift that we're seeing now. Do we go forward or backwards 300 years? Right. We are at the point of recognizing this is our moment of choice. And we've got these dynamics scientifically studied with the best minds in the Western world showing us that we are part of another sense, in addition to the five senses, a sense of expanded consciousness. So given that in today's environment, there's kind of this another duality of, of sort of people holding on to personal opinions over scientific evidence in front of them. Are you more optimistic about the future do you see more people being open to uh, uh more open to different ways of thinking and and seeing this as a different uh way that we can move forward are you more optimistic or, or are you still kind of a little concerned or worried no we're definitely futurists and we are optimistic if you understand the idea of this field the consciousness field that lynn also talks about even though in the keys of enoch dr hertak also mentions the consciousness field you realize that what's there, and it's not just my field, and it's not just his field, and it's not even just the planetary field, although that's what's really the local field. You know, there's all the information, all the solutions. And I go back to quantum physics quite a bit because quantum physics tells you there's multiple possibilities. So all we have to do really, and it is kind of that simple, is to tap into that field with a positive intention. And that's exactly, again, what Lynn talks about. And and scientists are picking up on this. Uh, Researchers, sociologists are picking up on this. Environmentalists are also picking up on this. And we can find solutions for this planet or at least be prepared for the changes that are taking place so that we can come out ahead. So in short, it's the positive intention and the positive mind extension that makes this dramatic Breakthrough in the new science is so important, which includes remote viewing, remote communication, remote healing. All of these new breakthroughs in consciousness, we believe, if properly handled by a world community on the upstart for a positive future, can be a transformative phase that we need to go through. Otherwise, we fall back into fear. We fall back into lethargy. We fall back into separation, all of which has brought the world and humanity to this point of destruction, global destruction or global construction we believe and we've seen evidence of how people can be reactivated and re-inspired mm. by knowing the power of the mind beyond space and time yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh, um it reminds me uh just a couple of weeks ago i had on bruce crier who is one of the founding members of HeartMath institute and and we were sp- speaking all about sort of the power of the heart so it, it's not just the mind, but it's opening people's hearts, that when we open our hearts to each other and community, that then we, we really feel more connected. We feel more connected, not just to each other, but to ourselves and to the environment around us. And then we're much more likely to really uh, be mindful of our environment, of how to be sustainable, of how to uh, protect our future and, and the ecology that way. Absolutely. And that's why this book is so important, because it is our moment of choice. Basically, every all solutions are there. There is not one thing that's happening on this planet that we can't find a positive solution for. And it may be pretty far out. So we have to be open minded for it. But 
we have to make that decision. I mean, transhumanism can go two ways, right? It can go where we become part of the uh, AI intelligence, or it can be that we transcend the limitations of the earth in that sense. And we prefer, of course, that latter, but many people want to see just the AI. And that's, I think, a perfect example of our moment of choice. And every moment is our moment of choice. I keep saying that because we're actually pulling in information from the consciousness field. It's how we utilize that information that's so important. Absolutely. The world crises are bringing us into this moment of choice for a great renaissance of the mind. And we believe we are within grasp but realizing the dynamics that we have amongst us. And this is why this book was so important, showing the pluralism of people from so many different directions yeah. coming together as a critical mass, saying, this is what we can make yeah. happen yeah. now, not someplace in the distant future, not by looking back at the past and thinking negative, but to see the positive synergy the symphonic synergy that brings us all together. And just to chime in with what everyone says, 2020 has been an awakening for many, many people. I think people are seeing that, whether it's staying home and doing more meditation or, or reading more books on you know, transcendental you know, meditation, whatever it is you'd like to do, or our own books or our moment of choice, it's awakening people to realize we have to make a difference. It's not any longer we can make a difference. We have to make a difference. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I hate to interrupt you too, because you, you're so on fire. I love it. You guys are great. But uh, we got to take our last break of the show, and then we'll come back and wrap everything up with, with Deborah and with John, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, see where we go from here. So th thank you all for contributing your energies to this show. I, I so, so appreciate you all. So everyone, please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Um, we still got some things to talk about. So we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. This has been a special show all about our moment of choice with Reverend Deborah Muldow, uh, Lynn McTaggart, who was with us earlier, John Perkins, and Drs. Desiree and J.J. Hurtak. Um, thank you all for, for coming in and, and being part of the show today. I, I really appreciate you. And this is sort of the magic of, of technology, right? You guys were just talking about how we have this, this uh, challenge with technology right now. Which way do we go with it? And we can use technology as a positive tool to bring together amazing minds and amazing people from across the globe um, to really give something to humanity to help to inspire and uplift and empower people to move forward. Um, Deborah, I would love to hear from you for a minute of just what's your intention behind the book? What, what is your hope will happen once this book is published? It gets published uh, in September 1st. September 1st. Coming right up. Coming up in just a few days. What are you hoping will be the effect of this book coming out? We see this book as an invitation. This, is, this book is reaching out to everyone out there, and this would be particularly the people who are listening to this radio program, who are in the community of of, um, of those who, who not only see the dire situation that humanity is in right now here on planet Earth, 
due to the choices that we've made at previous levels of consciousness, but can also dream into a future that doesn't look like the present. And I, I love John's term for it, the life economy. Uh, I love what the Hertogs are talking about, going beyond the limitations of our minds as we know them now. There is so much potential for living into a new paradigm and everybody has a role to play. And I, it, you know, the, the subtitle of this book is evolutionary visions and hope for the future. So this book is a banquet of visions of, from uh, the indigenous wisdom that has been trying to tell us some of these truths for a very long time but we haven't been listening yet, and maybe we are now, all the way to new frontiers of science and spirituality that are bringing us into whole new ways of considering what it means to live in community here on planet Earth. And uh, this one volume called Our Moment of Choice, this offers 43 amazing visionaries in all of their different concepts and, and truly their life work, the wisdom that the Hertogs were talking about, studying tribes all over the world and learning from them. And, uh, you know, many other perspectives. There are some who work with youth. There are some very amazing ministers in here, like Reverend Michael Beckwith and Reverend Sylvia Sumter and, and uh, Reverend Christian Sorensen. And, all of these chapters have uh, an invitation to action. Mm. So whatever it is that you do in the world, you are invited into this movement of people all over from all different cultures who are looking at this moment and saying, yes, this is our moment of choice. And I am going to choose a brighter future, not only for myself, my friends, and my family, but for all life on Earth. Beautiful, beautiful, Deborah. Uh, John, uh, final thoughts before we end the show. What is the one thing you hope people take away from this book and, and take into and integrate into their lives? Well, it's that we live in very blessed, blessed times. We're blessed to be alive right now. There's a consciousness revolution that's sweeping the planet. I think we all need to understand that whenever there's a revolution, there's always pushback from the yeah. status quo. Yeah. <laughs> and that's certainly happening now, too. But just like if you want to build up a muscle, you have to have resistance. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. the resistance that we're getting from the status quo is making us stronger and pushing us even harder to move forward. So I think it's, it's really important for everybody out there to recognize that you are so lucky to be alive right now at this moment of choice and uh, make the best of it and get, be, be part of it. Get involved. Read these, read these amazing articles and see which ones really most draw you in and, and get deeply involved and know that we are winning. We're going to change consciousness and in changing consciousness, we will change reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Desiree and JJ, uh, uh, just a final word of you know, what do you hope people will bring forward into their life from, from being exposed to this work? This is the greatest moment to be alive, the most important part of incarnation into a time of change and transition. And so hold high the standards of all humanity working together 
hold high a positive future, that we will engineer the sociology and psychology of our collective energies together and hold high the spiritual ethic and the understanding that we are all part of the divine force. In fact, life could be defined as the God force that is now coming truly into recognition. We are all ecumenical brothers and sisters who must be the light pulse, must be the light and must be the beacon of courage. And no, you can make a difference, but it's a collective we that really mm -hmm. will be making the difference. So thank you. And our moment of choice is available for everyone. Right, right, right. And Deborah, I, I know the book is available at ourmomentofchoice.com, but there are also some uh, special things if people uh, pre-order the book right now, right? Yes, uh, there are some exciting bonuses. And uh, I was thinking uh, during this program about one of our bonuses is, is a chapter, no, is a whole book of Duane, by Dwayne Elgin that he wrote many years ago called Awakening Earth that predicts this moment really? and actually, actually uh, demonstrates how we will be moving into a new time of a new consciousness uh, that is in a, an inevitable part of our evolution. It's absolutely fascinating. And there are um, five bonuses. So if you go to our moment of choice, dot com and you purchase the book from there, you will be uh, entitled to all of these bonuses, as well as this um, very exciting new book. Wonderful. So we invite you in. We invite you into this movement because everybody is needed, and I think that's what we've heard from all of our guests today: that everybody has a role to play in this new time that we can co-create together yeah. at our moment of choice. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much, and thank you again for organizing all of this and bringing these amazing people together today. Um, I invite you all. Next time you're going to be in New York City, I would love to get together with you and maybe even have you come into the studio, and, and we'll do something face to face when it's safe to do so. Um, thank you all for tuning in. I posted the link to the Facebook Live, um, so if you uh, have not yet. Um, uh, liked our Facebook pages. There's the facebook.com slash conscious consultant, facebook.com slash talk radio NYC. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. I so appreciate my loyal listeners. I, I see Patty has been commenting and uh, very much enjoying, today, enjoying today's show. Thank you, Patty. And, and for all of my listeners, thank you for, for staying with us through the hour. And, and especially thank Lynn McTaggart, John Perkins, Desiree and J.J. Hertog, Deborah Moldau. And uh, please stay tuned because coming up right after this show, it's uh, Ken Foster and his show, Voices of Courage, followed later today by Antonia Thompson and her show, So Now You Know, and Graham Dobbin and his show, The Mind Behind Leadership. Take care, everybody. We will talk to you next week.